today for a marriage to experience the oneness of the Spirit, the life of the Spirit that God intends, there must be the attributes of love and submission being modeled. Both parties must be growing and maturing in their relationship with Christ. Both parties must be committed to transformation and allowing God to build them his way and for his purposes. Alrighty, so I feel very unqualified to be standing up here and in a moment you'll know why. But this is what it's all about. I am going to be speaking about submission. Submission, we love that word, don't we? So let's start with Ephesians five twenty-two to 24. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the saviour of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Okay. So, love and marriage. Love and marriage, love and marriage Goes together like a horse and carriage Really? Really? Hmm, okay To me, love and marriage is not quite as easy as that Especially when you're pig-headed You're arrogant And when you ask your spouse to talk to me in bullet points which is just downright rude. Who would do that? I'm not talking about Greg. I'm talking very recently about me. You've heard the saying, don't let the sun go down on the anger. Yeah, everyone's heard that. It's great. It's biblical teaching. It's wonderful. I say, no, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Stay up and flip and fight it out. <laughs> and I have been known to do that. But let let me let me say this: it is that is not biblical. That is that is the flesh speaking. That is revolting. That is revolting. I hate to admit it, but when I first thought of submission, I was like, "Yeah, I totally got this one sorted." I'm, I'm quite a humble person. <laughs> I'm I'm actually quite submissive. Um. Well, you know, when things are going to plan and. Generally, according to my way of thinking, it's great, my expectations. But um, what about when things are not going my way and my behaviour turns judgmental and jealous and extremely ugly? Uh, And then Greg gently tries to realign my thinking and my attitude and my way of being in that moment. Do I choose to submit and listen? Hmm. Or do I continue on with my rant and accusation and blindly get angrier and angrier and angrier? Well, the word tells me in Psalm 146, 8, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. 
And I know for a fact that in that moment, my attitude is far from being bowed down in submission to the Lord first and foremost, and certainly not to Greg. I can't see anything, and this is what really hit me this morning, there is no truth in me. When I'm that blind in my fury and my anger, there is no truth in me. I'm believing the lie that is in my head, and then it spouts forth. At this point, my blindness is being exposed for what is truly in my heart. It's filth, and it's yuck. I have the opportunity to choose. Do I come under Greg's leadership and authority as my husband? And when I do, the benefits and the fruit of this and these decisions are true unity. And as Greg have shared, it's oneness. There's humility. And there is a bond of love which really does unite together. Let me give you an example of what not to do. You've heard of that whole thing of what not to wear? This is of what not to do. Okay. So Greg and I had um, one of our heated discussions. Um, It does happen. We are both quite passionate people. And Greg tried to realign my thinking. Um, At times I would listen. At this particular time I didn't. And I got quite angry. I'm just going to bring this further here so I can actually see everyone. Thank you. Um, so so uh, we had a, had a wee chat. Um, it was an angry chat. Um, and <laughs> anyway, I can't even remember what it was about. That's how ridiculous it is. But um, I was like, it's okay because Greg's going away for the weekend. So I'm like, thank goodness for that. I can just flip and get out of my face and I can have my own time. I had planned the whole evening. I was going to sit on the couch with a glass of wine, my own movie. Kids had gone to bed. I was just going to chill out. It would be. It was going to be great. I was like, you know what? I'm re- really ticked off with him, but it's okay. He'll be out of my face. I won't have him yabbering on about how I need to change. I will not have him in the house. So that was great. So the next morning came. I was still <laughs> about this discussion, but I was like, it's okay. Greg's going to be gone. It's okay. It's fine. Um, however, I was downstairs. He was upstairs. I think we might have been praying, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what we were doing. He was probably being very righteous and praying. I wasn't. Um, he was upstairs. The next minute, I heard this almighty <laughs> kind of thing from a guy. And I was like, what the heck has happened? Has he just hit his toe? Has he stubbed his toe? I mean, I don't know. Actually, he hadn't stubbed his toe. He'd put his back out. And not only now was he not going to be going away for the weekend, He couldn't even move off the living room floor. And I was like, are you flipping kidding me? And I'm like, I I know, I know, a sympathetic wife, you know, loving, sympathetic, would have been like, oh, that poor man, you're in so much pain. Oh, let me help you out. I was like, I was so angry. (laughs) Because I was looking forward to my own time in my own space. Would you just get out of my face? Um, So it just made me angrier. And I was angry at Greg and I was angry at God. I did actually have a bit of sympathy for him. Poor man, he was in agony. He really, really was. And I went and bought, I think, some Panadol or something. (laughs) Chucked it at his feet. No, I I was. was. (laughs) I'm not that unkind. (laughs) I had to go to work, so I I had... (laughs) 
anyway, anyway, the reality was it was it wasn't great. It wasn't great. Um, and uh, but I just thought, you know, boy oh boy, God has a sense of humour, right? You know, here here I'm wanting him to be rid of in that moment because I'm so angry. I just want to deal with my own stuff, and he can just go over there. I reckon God purposely made it happen, so I had to deal with it, you know? He wasn't going anywhere. Anyway, throughout that day, um, I mulled, 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 meditated, and ranted inside my head, as you do. Uh, And then the Lord dropped into my thinking a scripture I had read earlier in the week. Oh, how I hate it when this happens. Philippians 4 verse 5, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. And, oh my God, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was so convicted right there and then. I really was. I definitely hadn't been displaying a heart of gentleness or of kindness. And I knew I needed to put it right. I needed to repent. I needed to get on my knees. And I needed to humbly say I'm sorry not only to Greg, but to the Lord, my revolting attitude that had come forth from the lies that I'd had in my head. So, how teachable are we? How teachable are we from those that are closest to us? Because it's all very well hearing it from a girlfriend, (laughs) from somebody else who you respect and love. But What about from your husband? What about from your children even? My gosh, they can speak wisdom, I'm telling you. God has purposefully put these people in our lives for a reason, and that is to bring us into a deeper relationship with him and with others. That is the oneness in spirit that we're talking about. The greatest commandment is to love God and to love others. But to do this, we must learn to walk in submission. It's a mission of coming under in love. I love what Greg said recently about that Christ loves us into submission and our husbands are to love us into submission. It's a bottom-up reality. And that brings us into true submission, the mission of love, spiritual oneness. I read a quote during the week which really spoke to me and it's from a lady called Brenda Bradford Ottinger. What a comfort it is to know God sees when we choose humility, when we swallow bitter words before speaking them, when we smile even when we'd rather sneer. Better yet, he sees from the inside out and knows when our devotion isn't from an onerous place of cliché religion, but rather from the quiet of a heart that longs to please the Lord. He sees, he hears, he remembers. So, submission is a choice of our will. It really is. So 1 Peter 3, 3-6 says, Your adornment must not be merely external braiding of the hair. Braiding of the hair. Wearing gold. Well, it's kind of gold. Or putting on dresses. But let it be the hidden person of the heart with with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit. There it is again gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in the former times, the holy woman also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. In verse 8, 
To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted and humble in spirit. We must allow his truth to transform us. And as my friend says and often sings to me, let it go, let it go. I mean, we hate that song, but there is such truth in that phrase, letting it go, which actually brings true freedom, doesn't it? The Lord gave me this wee word picture um, a while ago that it has enhanced to me what free actually means. And I'm just going to write it down on the whiteboard here because I think seeing things visually helps our understanding. So free, F. Oops, sorry. Fresh. R. Release. E. Enabling. And the last E, empowerment. So our fresh or daily release enables his empowerment in our lives to live wholeheartedly before him. It's only when we give over, when we truly release our stuff, when we lay everything at his feet, it gives us the freedom. And then and only then can we be overcome by him and not allow our circumstances to overcome us. I've just got a song that has ministered to me um, for quite some time now about this whole aspect of letting go and allowing the Father to do the true work within us. It's from a um, band called... um, sons and daughters and we sing one of their songs here called great is the lord this one is called called me higher so if we can just play that and listen to the words but what i want to focus on is those words of i could hold on i could hold on to who i am and never let you never let the father change me from the inside i could be safe i could be safe here in your arms lord but never leave home never let these walls down because, but you have called me higher, and you have called me deeper, and I'll go where you lead me. To me, this is a beautiful picture of submission, in a humble position before God, before the Lord, before Greg, before everyone. That that this is what He's calling us into, to calling us higher. Thanks for listening. Let me real fast so we can get through this. Um, this one. <laughs> no, just put us on your regular prayer. <laughs> Verse twenty-five, twenty-six of Ephesians, um, and this is this is the guys' part. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself up for her, so that. And every time you see a so that, stop. So, guys, we've been commissioned being commanded to love our wives as Jesus loves. Why? So that Christ might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. You see, when a man loves as Christ loves him, because he's received the love of Christ, which is a love that always hopes, always, and just it releases life. We 
as men and women, have the ability to be release agents of God's love. We can minister the love of the Father to one another and to those that don't know him when you love Christ like he loves you and when you love others like he loves you. And we have been given a high calling as a people. But as men, we have to stand up and take responsibility for the functioning order that God has chosen us to live out. And when you when you realize and when it really hits you that the functioning order in which a marriage covenant is designed to work is love and submission and that you have a part in that. So it's not like, oh, that's great. I'll just sit back here like Danny's saying. No, the part that God is looking for me to play as a husband is to love Danielle like Christ loves me. You see how wholeheartedness is the absolute key because if I'm not wholeheartedly his, I will fail at that. And I do fail at that. But I'm also winning at that because the more I'm committed to him and the more I give him and the more I allow him to shape me, the more I have been able to love her unconditionally. And this isn't about, you've got to hear this in, in two two ways it's we're all called to live like this yes so male and female are called to love and submit and then there's this other functioning order and it's ultimately to him and it's to him that it flows down but guys i really want to encourage you in the role in the responsibility that you have been given to live out hence how is your relationship with him because it will never happen and your wife will never receive what she's supposed to receive through you if you're not wholeheartedly devoted to him. She's missing out. Now, once again, in her own relationship with God and the Holy Spirit, yes, but there is a way in which it's put. There's a purpose for it. There's always the two parts that make up the whole. So the weight of that responsibility, guys, if you're married today, I hope would hit you. I hope the weight of that, and if you are not married, that you would understand the weight of that before you enter into the marriage covenant. It's a covenant. Covenants don't get broken, do they? There's grace there if they do. I have been divorced. I was a non-Christian, but I've been divorced. But it was under God. There's a, there's a gracing to restore. But in our own relationship with one another, it's a covenant. We're in covenant with one another not committee, covenant. I'm in a covenant with Danielle, and the covenant is that I love her. And I'm not perfect, and at times I have lost the plot like her. At times I've like I've had enough of this, I'm checking out. I've just had it. Out of here. Easier to walk away. Just so easy. And in that moment at times when you've just had enough is when you've got to grab that thought. And you've got to grab it with two hands. Because there's so much at stake. So much at stake. It's not just about me. It's about my wife, my children, you. Those that are still yet to come here. You see, when's that really hits you? It's not just about you, Greg. Get over yourself. Get past yourself. 
And so we are in this together. We're committed to this. I know this lady 15 years ago. He spoke to me about her. And yet I'm not perfect and neither is she. And her humanity at times <laughs> and my humanity at times does our heads in, our personality difference, you know. You know, the lists. <laughs> and vice for her. But get past yourself and fall in love with me. So then you're able to see her as I see her and she's able to see you as I see you. And so oneness can be formed. You know, we had a we have good doozies, eh? And it shows that we care. It shows that we're committed to each other and we actually care. And um, this is, in the magnitude of what this was, and we both experienced this, is that, you know, the Bible talks about, um, I tried to find the scripture, I couldn't find it, but basically settle the issues with your wife before you pray. Before you pray, it's talking about that your prayers can be affected if, you, if there's division. Man, um, we had another, we had a doozy recently, and I'll be honest with you guys, I was a phone call away from ringing Paul Costello to say I'm not preaching on Sunday. It's Friday, and I'm not going to be speaking at the leaders' breakfast because this fight we're having is affecting the oneness that I have with him and her. And I could have got up and just spoke something, but it wouldn't have been anointed. It wouldn't have had power on it. And I could feel it. Like I felt disconnected from her and the Lord. It was horrible. And to the magnitude I've I've experienced that for the first time, it was like I couldn't pray. I couldn't read. I was like, open the word and I'm just reading words. And it's not like this, okay? But this, this is to the smallest measure. You know when Jesus said, Father, we've forsaken. Why have you forsaken me? And he now knows he's disconnected from the Father. To a, not, you know, but to a minuscule of that, that's what it felt like. It was like, I can't read. I can't pray. This is, not, this is so wrong. And we work through that. And as soon as we worked through that and we asked, you know, there was forgiveness and repentance, bang, it came back. It was straight away back. It was, eh? And God, through that, taught me about oneness and how we can quench the spirit. Through our fleshly actions, you can quench the spirit. It was horrible. Um, And through that, he... He did. He realigned my thinking around, you know, there's so much more at stake than just you. So much more. So many other people are going to be affected if this ever didn't work. And that's what keeps realigning you, you know. And in the moments when sometimes you have brain farts and brain explosions and you just like, it's like, no, no, no. Let's get back to what this is about. You know, I um, I remember, I remember in this. Remember one time I say, man, and I said, how many times, Lord? How many times? 
He said, I said, certainly this is enough is enough. He said, 70 times 7. <laughs> no, 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 certainly 7 times is enough. <laughs> hey, Greg, how many times did I forgive you? Yeah, I know, but, you know, that was me. I'm better than her. You know, that was me, man. Come on, that was me. No, 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 son. 70 times 7. And you know one of the things that, that I live by now, and it's not just in my marriage but with my kids, but in, but in, in life in this community is, is I've, I've I'm in this I'm in this to a measure, and at the same time I choose to be in this to a measure. This makes sense. So I'm in this reality to a measure, and the, the measure that I'm not in, I choose to be in it. Is this, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And when you settle that and are in that, and you choose to put that on as well is that then forgiveness comes. Because it's like they do not know literally what they're doing. And that's what the scripture says. They wouldn't have crucified him if they'd known. So I'd encourage you to ask him to reveal that in you more and more because that's what love is able to do. Love is able to see and go, if they truly knew what they're doing right now, they wouldn't do it. So I'm going to love. And that's what he does for you and I. And that's the love and the power that then brings us into submission. So, guys, I want to encourage you um, in seeking him. Seek him like you've never sought him before. Ask him to help you in your own relationship with him. So then you're found loving your wife as he loves you. He washes her, which then causes more submission to him and you. A woman is designed to submit. It's her wiring when she experiences a love worthy of submitting to. And that's a big responsibility for us as men. Hence wholeheartedness with him as wife. So I hope that's helped in the spiritual aspect of marriage. And now I want to invite um, Louis and Estelle to come forward and um, we're going to share some of the practical aspects now of um, marriage, physical things you can do to help enhance your relationship. And this is, you know, the cool thing about this is also, and, and that's what I love, like this is a discipleship culture we're building. So even if you're not married, you can help people who are married, yes? And if you're thinking about getting married, then you can help people who are married as well. 